Welcome to the Waiver Wired Podcast, everybody. I'm Jen Piacenti, joined by Eddie Spaghetti, and we are super excited about today's episode for so many reasons. First of all, if you've listened to the past few episodes, you know we've been previewing by position, but we divided our wide receiver episode into two separate episodes because this is my favorite part of fantasy drafts. You're going to learn a little bit about what's going on in my head, and it's this mid to late round wide receiver targets. I absolutely love them. So we're going to talk a lot about that today. Um, and great news, guys. James Rodé Rodriguez is going to join the pod today. Uh, so get ready. Uh, we're going to have some fun, spicy talk with Rodé. Super excited. But before we do that, Eddie, how was your week? Can I just say, um, you know, Kenny Galladay? I don't want to start off too negative, but you know that guy had more targets in the end zone than any other wide receiver without recording a touchdown. And then he played on Sunday and he didn't have a catch, but worse, he didn't have a target in 21 snaps. I don't want to start on a down note, but it is the wide receiver episode. How are you feeling watching this? Uh, I'm so glad you did bring him up because for my um, maybe overvalued or I don't love where they're being drafted players, um, I did want to add a giant to that list. And there was two in mind, and one of them is uh, Kenny Galladay, spoiler alert. And you're right, Jen. I mean, not only does he have to prove himself after a a down year, after with a huge contract, and not to be so hard on him because he doesn't have to be maybe what he was in Detroit because the Giants do have some pretty good depth at receiver um but if you know combining you know daniel jones's poor play as of late and then his injury concerns kenny galladay it may not be a good idea to draft him when you still have sterling shepherd who's back and is healthy Kadarius yeah. tony may be healthy they drafted wandale robinson by the way they still have uh darius slay and and they have a guy named saquon barkley in the backfield who does catch passes so a lot of mouths to feed injury concerns all that um so it's going to be it could be a, a tough one for for kenny galladay Let's look at some news uh, before we jump into more wide receiver talk. Um, Tom Brady returned to the Bucks. Um, I don't know. Was he on the mask singer? Was he not? <laughs> We're, we're going to find out soon. You know, um, we recorded uh, before with Hench and Dave, and I was shocked because I was looking at the Bucks schedule, and I was like, man, I love, you know, Brady's back. I really like Mike Evans a lot, too, which we talked about last week. And, uh, and it's funny that Dave and Hench both think – the Saints actually could win the division. You know, Brady's mind may be elsewhere because that's why he missed he missed time. He's forty five. Eventually, he probably has to fall off the cliff. No Bruce Arians, all that kind of stuff. But man, I, about I, Michael Thomas. I, Do I, I need mean, to have them on here for an expose? Because I have feelings. Uh, I mean, doesn't Michael Thomas is he still dealing? According to the beer, he's like a soft tissue injury again. I just feel like he's going to have constantly he's nagging soft injuries. Tissue injury in his head. Yeah, that's what he's got. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna. Anyway, okay, interesting. So they don't they don't have faith in in Brady. They think he's distracted. Yeah. I am I'm going to take the other side of that and say that there is no way that Tom Brady isn't going to leave on a high note, right? Totally. So that means he either has to retire in the next few weeks or he has to like get very serious because there's no way he's going to fizzle out. He just won't. He's Tom Brady. I'm and Jameis Winston and crew uh, with backups of like Ian Book beaming Tom Brady. I just I don't see it. I, I get it. It's a spicy take. Uh, maybe it's Carolina Reaper hot. 
even <laughs> if I'm going to compare it to Buffalo Wild Wings sauce, which is what we like to do on this program because we do love our Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh, we, we um, do love it. But yeah, look at their buck schedule and tell me if you can't find mm-hmm. 12 wins. I, I just think it's easy so we, over 11 and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Baker Mayfield officially the starter for the Panthers. No big surprise. We were planning on that. I do think it gives very slight upgrades to DJ Moore, guys like that. Um, but, you know, no shocker there. Um, Matt Corral, you know, that was unfortunate. <laughs> Um, guess I missed the first four games to the Ravens. So we know it's, you know, J.K. Dobbins is supposed to be the guy, but should he get off to a slow start? There's lots of questions there about what could be happening next. And a lot of people have posited that maybe the Ravens is a place for Kenyon Drake to land. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about that? Well, I believe there's an injury to Gus Edwards, so that makes kind of sense there. J.K. Dobbins obviously was dealing with an injury. Um, we know, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson going to run the ball like crazy. So I don't want to get too crowded with backfield because I, I do like Dobbins. Uh, I think he will be effective if healthy, uh, especially because you don't look at the Ravens as a very high passing team. I just think uh, getting Kenyon Drake that just muddles it up. So I'm not, I don't, I mean, for the Ravens, they want him. They probably need depth. But for us fantasy players uh, drafting their running backs, it's going to be a tough one. Seahawks are still not announcing who their quarterback is. I was taking a look today at the props for the Seahawks, and they're just depressing. They're just like, um, DK Metcalf over five touchdowns? Um, Over 900 yards? I mean, you know, and guys, just as a point, of course, Vegas is not always right, but a lot of times they do have insight and they have insider information, and they're Vegas for a reason. They, they don't do this to not make money. They're very, very sharp. And when you see those numbers, if you're debating about a fantasy football wide receiver, sometimes that's a little bit of a cheat code. Be like, I'm worried about DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Maybe I should go check where, you know, FanDuel has the reception, the receiving yards problem. How many catches do they think maybe they'll get? What do they find to be a reasonable number where they won't lose too much money because people will take this bet? Um, so sometimes it's a good, it's not that encouraging. No, I mean, the, the, the few takeaways from this is, uh, well, number one, you know, the, the Jimmy G sweepstakes, if you can call it that. I mean, I've seen recently the, them linking him to the to the Seahawks. I think from the Seahawks perspective and for Jimmy G's too, but it makes zero sense for him to go there because they, they don't want a guy who could potentially win, like, win you games. Uh, they want to lose. They want to tank. They want to be able to draft CJ Stroud or Bryce Young in the in the offseason. So I don't think Jimmy G going there is going to help. Plus, he's going to make matters worse for himself because he's not going to have the best possible season to get him to that next contract and, and in terms of the Seahawks I mean it just to me this reeks of it seems like Drew Locke missed some time I was dealing with COVID and he hasn't really impressed and from the sense of what I've read and a lot of Pete Carroll's uh, statements on the matter is that he really wanted Locke to win this job and I feel like Geno Smith is just kind of like there and he's has maybe a high floor but an extremely low ceiling and they're going to be forced to be like all right Geno I guess you win the job because Drew Locke showed us absolutely nothing so it's pretty bleak times in Seattle. It is pretty bleak times in Seattle. Um, Jerry Jones says Michael Gallup should be back within the first four weeks of the season. Does this pour any cold water on Jalen Tolbert? We'll talk a little about Jalen later. I'm sure when we get there for late round receivers, very interesting there. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other big, I mean, it's kind of in a slow news week. Yeah. Considering how close we are, oh, the offensive tag Tyron Smith for the Cowboys, that is no bueno. I am not happy about that. It, it seems like you guys get good news with, you know, Gallup potentially returning back in between weeks one and four, and then now you lose Tyron Smith. Like, I 
not to make light of it, because I know obviously a devastating injury. When healthy, he's one of the best. But I almost feel like he misses so much time. You could pencil it in playing like that. So yeah. it's like, well, you know, he's going to miss probably a couple games anyway. So now you're just getting out ahead of it. And it's like you could, you know, maybe you could pick up. I know uh, Eric Fisher's a name that's been thrown around. Maybe they make a trade uh, because the Cowboys should win the division. So they should be in win now mode. So, you know, if it's one of those things where they have to pick up somebody and, and you, you knew you're only going to get half a season from Tyron Smith anyway, maybe not like a, a crushing blow to the Cowboys. And as much as I dislike the Cowboys, obviously you never want to see a team just be dead. Uh, devastated by injuries so it, it's a tough one but I think you could ask him to manage I was really proud of Jerry this week when he <laughs> said that we're good to OBJ I mean sorry to um sorry basically saying we're gonna stick with our guys to Antonio yeah. Brown yeah please I'm sorry sorry OBJ forgive me um the uh, the hard knocks this week what'd you think uh, Dan another, Campbell, another good one. I mean, I, I still love the season. It's one of my favorites in a while. Dan Campbell is is just incredible, and in how he he's. I, I read something that he wants people to think that he's like this dumb guy who just like chews dip and whatever, and he he's going to be out coach. But he seems to know what is going on. He's a smart guy. I thought the highlight was Deuce Staley screaming at his. Uh, his running backs with no voice. Uh, it seemed like that, you know, the they needed that win in the preseason game. They lost, what was it, six straight games? They had to get one. Um, I, I, I think the one biggest question I have, though, I wonder, because I know it's his third time being on it, uh, Jared Goff, but does he is he able to ask to not be, like, highlighted in the show? Or he just, like, or is HBO just, like, bored of him? Because I, I kind of want to see more of Jared Goff. I think his story is very interesting. Obviously being shipped out, you know, a California kid, go to school at Cal Berkeley, quarterback of the Rams, very high draft pick. And then he gets, you know, shipped off to Detroit and he's part of this organization. It's like, I don't know if they're in a rebuild or they're just, you know, the seller dweller uh, or maybe not with the bears, but like, I think his storyline is very interesting. There's nothing to do with Jared Goff. I don't know. It, it, maybe he doesn't want to be featured or maybe it's not interesting. Maybe hmm. there's something about it that isn't, I kind of feel like there's still an episode coming. There's two more left, right? Yes. Cause I've been sitting here waiting for the Jared Goff as well thinking, you know, cause I like to write it up over at SI the next day, like whatever interesting take that I think we can pull from it for fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's a really good question. One thing I did look at this week was, you know, Dan Campbell's clearly the, the star of this series, yeah. right? Yeah. So I was like, all right, Dan Campbell. So I went up and looked at Dan Campbell's stats. If he were a fantasy player, it, he, he would have been like the worst fantasy player of all time. You never ever would have drafted him. And I was trying kind of thinking like, can you imagine if Dan Campbell were coaching Dan Campbell? I'd like to see it. He, like he was, he was a giant and a cowboy. So he, yeah. I mean, we're used to him, but he, he's, he's, all, he's awesome. Yeah. He's a great guy. Um, but, uh, it, it's, it's good stuff. All right. You guys have been waiting for this. You've been, the whole reason you tuned into waiver wire today was for this segment and I am thrilled to welcome in star of ABC's A Million Little Things. Or you may have seen him on Psych, or maybe you just saw him in a really weird porn star mustache uh, video the other day on Twitter. That's basically how I know him, you know. It is James Rode Rodriguez. Rode, what's going on, man? I miss the porn stash, obviously. Obviously, me too. It's, uh, I don't know, I, I can't remember the last time I felt that comfortable in my own skin. So here I am back to... <laughs> Pretending and putting on, you know, the face that people think they know, but don't actually know. 
So I'm so glad you're here today because yeah, there is what, what we think we know and then who you really are. And one thing that people probably don't know about you is that you're actually a bit of a shark yourself. Um, you play fantasy football, but you actually kind of play it at a high level. You play, uh, you play in the high stakes leagues. And, um, my understanding is I'll humiliate decide that you're pretty good. I've had my moments. Um, the last time I had one playing high stakes fantasy football was, uh, I guess maybe two years ago in uh, the NFFC cut line format, which I enjoy because it's best ball for like the first, I don't know, 10 weeks of the season or something. Uh, so you don't really have to think about it. And I finished, uh, I made it to the top of the final table to use a poker analogy, uh, so I, I think going into the last week, I was I was playing for like a hundred grand or something fun like that. Yeah, that is a lot of fun. Um, if you're wondering how I finished of the twelve, uh, the yes. answer is twelfth. I finished twelfth out of twelve, <laughs> and it was the uh, it was the six touchdown Alvin Kamara Christmas game. Oh, <laughs> I got around. killed in that week. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was just unfair. That was just this. That's kind of like, you know, there's luck and there's skill, and there's a certain point in this game where you just have to say, look, if Alvin Kamara is going to have five, six, seven, ten touchdowns, I just can't do anything about that. And it's really hard to let that go when there's a hundred thousand dollars on the line. It was tough because you know that's a huge tournament, and I think of the twelve of us that got to the the final there, I think maybe seven of the teams had Kamara. And it was like that, it was that game that like kicked off the week. So it was like all the mystery was gone. It was like, you know, five of us knew we were done. It was over. We yeah. bother checking our teams on Sunday. I remember. Yeah, it was rough. I remember that week. It was awful. Um, yeah, it's been uh, mostly uh, me getting um, my behind kicked by these high stakes guys because, uh, and girls, which they're, they just have, to have so much time and acumen and a lot of them do it professionally. And, uh, I can't really keep up anymore, but, uh, I still enjoy it. I enjoy feeling like I'm a part of something. And, uh, and now that we've managed to add a, you know, a charitable element, I'm back in, I'm back. My yes. interest is in my I'm game on. So I want to talk a little bit about the charitable element. So uh, we have a lot of degenerates that listen to our podcast. We're very proud of it. Um, in fact, and actually, I should say, I, I'm going to pat ourselves on the back, Eddie. Eddie and I took third place in the NFFC postseason last year. Yep. Now, here's our regret. Ready? So I decided, hey, we need content for our podcast, and let's tell everyone to play postseason leagues because we're all addicts, and we want everyone else to be addicted too. Why do you have to stop playing during the season? So I went and I was like, I'll just throw forty bucks into this league, right? Because it's forty bucks, and we'll build the team on the pod. And we built it, and we moved along. And then as t- as the weeks kept going on, we were like, Oh, oh my god, like <laughs> we might we might win this. Um, anyway, long story short, we ended up winning third place, and it was like. And all we were was mad at ourselves that I was mad at myself that I didn't pay the $200 entry fee because we would have won like 40 grand. We would have been taken second in that league, not third by our points. So anyway, um, that's our sad story or not so sad story. Believe in yourselves. (laughs) 
Well, Jen, I have to say, too, the best part about that roster, I think there was, like, maybe two players. There was, like, a Cardinals player and, like, a Raiders player that we were, like, going back and forth on. We pretty much had, like, our lineups were, like, in lockstep completely. So, I mean, that was a total team effort. We were, you know, smart on the, the ball right from the beginning there. Uh, people listen to this for the regular season, but, again, like I said, keep listening postseason. That's when me and Jen really shine. But regular season, I want to talk a little bit about our charitable F- effort, Rode. Um So we've teamed up with NFFC. Thank you so much for inviting me uh, to fight cancer. Hashtag sack cancer. Can you tell everybody a little bit about how they can get involved? Because I think there's a lot of people watching this right now that are going to immediately jump in. Yeah, uh, this is our third year, and it's gotten bigger each year, which is a good sign. It's a, it's a testament both to the to Greg and Tom who run the NFFC, and also uh, uh, their their players who uh, who have gotten behind this and and supported it. But it's it's the prime the primetime main event that they have over there. And uh, the first year was just me and the Miz, and we co-managed the team and got absolutely clobbered. Um, but still managed to raise a decent chunk of money for for the V Foundation and Connor's Care, which is specifically uh, pediatric cancer research. Then last year, uh, we upped the ante. There were four of us. Uh, We added uh, Kofi Kingston and Mike Fabiano. And Fab's actually won his league. Uh, And and if he hadn't had some unfortunate injuries, he was looking pretty good for the overall uh, so we got a little extra attention and we raised twice as much as we did the first year. And, uh, now we're, now we're heading into season three. There are six of us, including you. You're a, you are one of our new recruits along with, uh, newly crowned ESPN, uh, fantasy girl, Liz Loza, uh, adding some real intelligence to the, to the crew. Uh, with you, uh, and uh, and we'll be spread out six separate primetime leagues. This is their main event. This is their biggest uh, prize. It's two hundred and fifty grand. Uh, they're twelve team leagues. They're high stakes. So you're already having to pay uh, seventeen hundred and fifty dollars to have a team. And we're saying, hey, kick in a little extra, and you can play against us. So that before the season even starts, we've already raised you know X amount of money, and then. Uh, we're obviously playing for the V Foundation, and we've also added an additional prize this year for the highest scoring team amongst our six leagues, and that's going to be uh, two tickets to both nights of WrestleMania 2023. I wonder if we could also hook them up with a, a little private backstage tour with Megan Morant. We're going to have to talk to her. Look, start twisting, start turning. Let's do it. We, we know her. She's a friend of the show. So, uh, all right. I like, and I'm really into this and, and we maybe weren't specific enough when we say if James wins, if I win, uh, we each, each, if we win our leagues. So now since we're six leagues, there's six of us that can each win our leagues. We will donate all those proceeds to the V foundation and Connor's cure. And then we'll also go into the overall tournament for the overall grand prize. And we will also, if we win the overall grand prize, that means $250,000 will be going the V foundation and Connor's cure. And I really can't think of a better way to take something that we love so much. That's so much fun and just use it for good. It's such a huge community and it seems like it gets bigger every year. Uh, I, I, I owe most of the idea and the incentive to Scott fish because it was the fishbowl that got me thinking like, huh, how can we do this, but specifically target people that we know have some doubt, like, 
how do we go just point straight at the people with the disposable income to go after high stakes <laughs> leagues and remind them that they're in a position, uh, you know, to be philanthropic as well. And, and interestingly, a lot of those players have already come forward and offered to also donate a portion of their winning should they win. So not just making the donation to join the league, but also donate a part of their winnings. And I think that's incredible. It's pretty awesome. It warms my heart. It uh, makes me feel good about being part of the fantasy football community. And uh, now it's up to us, Jen. Because think all we got to do is beat 11 people. If we each win our league, like... It's basically 50 grand. We're just handing 50 grand to the V Foundation. So I'm pretty confident I can do it, but I want to say, like, I was working on my trash talk video earlier. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not so good at the trash talk, so I was wondering if maybe you could give me a few pointers. Um, I think you just have to throw discord and decorum out the window. Like, you, you, okay. you, you can't you can't ride the line of, like, well, I, I want to trash talk, but I don't want to be offensive. No, you just have to throw, you know, <laughs> throw it out. You know, you have to come at them hard. Get the blood going. Make them take notice. That's the worst that you can happen is that you say all those things and then you lose. That's that's what I've done for the last ten years in that in, no. that, in that organization. So yeah, look, I'm sitting here. I'm fine. Nobody comes. <laughs> nobody comes for me. But yeah, yeah. You just gotta you just gotta stick it to them and say things that are uh, disarming and uncomfortable. Really, uh, really put them on put them on their backsides, and then maybe they won't be thinking clearly during your draft. That's a good point. Yeah, you want them off their game. Because they're really, really good players, and uh, it's very rare that you go into one of those drafts um, knowing something that the other 11 people you're drafting against don't already know. And uh, that's just the truth of the matter. That's true, and that's why for this episode, when we're breaking down the wide receivers as we go along, we're using the NFC rankings because they're a little bit sharper than what you're going to see on an ESPN or, or even an underdog is a little bit sharper than what you're going to see on an ESPN or a Yahoo because you're going to see the people that kind of like really nerd out about this a little bit more than a family league or an office league. Sure. So, yeah, I agree about the NFC. Now, I got to ask you just a couple of questions just about you. Like, who's your football team? Who do you root for? I was raised in San Antonio, Texas, uh, amongst a sea and family of diehard, obnoxious Dallas Cowboy fans. So I, uh, of course, opted to be a Houston Oilers fan so that I could stand all alone um, that makes and, be, sense. and be tortured by, by everyone I was related to. Uh, and then when the team moved, uh, because I had no allegiance whatsoever to the city of Houston, uh, I moved with them which makes me a diehard Tennessee Titan fan. And uh, that's what I have been uh, for my most of my adult life. Uh, James, I got to ask you, I brought the Titans, you know, the AFC South, uh, probably a two horse race. It's you guys and it's the Colts. Um, so, these, these three things kind of pop into my head with the Titans, and I want to see what your your take is, which uh, do you think is the least likely to happen. Number one, obviously drafting Malik Willis, the belief in Ryan Tannehill, can he get it done? Is it Derrick Henry, a lot of hits, a lot of miles? Is he going to maybe fall off that you know, proverbial cliff that running backs always do around his age? Or is it the replacement of A.J. Brown, you guys brought in Robert Woods? Which do you feel the most confident in and not happening, which are, it kind of concerns you in this probably two-horse race uh, to win the division? Uh, I think Tannehill has a lot to prove after last season, after the last couple postseasons, and I suspect he has uh, enough – experience and, and enough left in the tank to sort of bounce back so that we're not sitting there worrying about Ryan Tannehill this season. Uh, he's also been put on notice 
by the drafting of, of Malik. So I'm not terribly worried about Ryan. I would say uh, if they manage the Kings load a little bit, um, he also has a lot to prove because, uh, you know, there's a lot of naysayers out there all of a sudden, even though he's only really had one injury in his career. I don't think you want to make a guy like Derek Henry mad. I don't think you want to give him bullet bulletin board material. So, um, maybe it's me being a homer, but I'm, I'm not no, I think you're right. Did you see that video that came out today from Yahoo fantasy? Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be canceled. I'm, I was kind of like, mm, give me all the Henry. I bought it. Just like I bought the Amon Ross site Brown on hard knocks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I'm not too worried about Derek. So I guess the answer to your question would be uh, C, which is, uh, losing AJ, you know, even though he wasn't a prototypical number one because we were such a run-heavy offense, when he was out there, he took a lot of attention uh, from the secondary. And, you know, he's a guy that could make plays when the ball's in his hands. And we've replaced him with a guy coming off a torn ACL and a rookie. So that's where my concern lies, for sure. Uh, and a rookie that doesn't seem to be being used the way we all expected him to so far in preseason. So we're all a little like, mm, okay. What are they, what are they doing? Is that smokescreen stuff? Like putting him down so. the chart? They don't want people to know what, what yeah. they've got with him and they want right. to unleash him, I hope. I hope so too, because I kind of had him as like my sleeper pick for, you know, rookie of the year. But, you know, we'll see. These are these are things that are of a long, long ways to go. Um did I read correctly that you also play fantasy baseball? Uh, I'm a fantasy nerd and have been since the late 90s. I have a home league that does baseball, basketball, and football uh, uh-huh. that started in 1999. Um, my first major foray into high stakes was baseball in the NFFC. Me too. And I came in my first year and finished in the top 10 and thought, I really am. Whoa. I really am one of the best fantasy players in the world. I've, just, I've, been talking, I've been talking so much trash. I tested my skills at the highest level, <laughs> and I am completely validated. Uh, and that's the last time I even sniffed uh, in, 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 the, in, in the NFFC baseball movie. That's for sure. I'll never forget. That was the year that uh, it, was, it was Zach Grinke's rookie year. So mm-hmm. I, I got him in like the 15th. And I got Felix Hernandez in like the 10th and together, you know, they just, I just rode those two horses all the way to the, you know, to the top 10, which never happens that you, that you not only hit on one, but hit on two. Like it was crazy. Um, But that's basically what you have to do to be a factor in those giant tournaments, which, you know, it raises an interesting strategy question for us because there's a difference between playing to beat 11 people and, and playing to win a giant, giant tournament. And one advantage we might have in the primetime event is that there are a bunch of sharks who are after that 250 and they draft somewhat accordingly, knowing contrarian, very contrarian lineups, hoping they get that one single piece. Now we yep. could go in rather conservatively and say, you know what? Let me just go after that $7,000 league prize and just beat these 11 people. And that would probably change our strategy a little bit because we, you know, we don't have to have that lottery ticket. We just have to have a team that we know is solid enough, minus injuries, that will be there at the end, you know? It's a 
Really good point. Cause we, we would rather donate $7,000 for our, to win our league than potentially miss out on that because we thought we could get to 50. The odds are much yeah. trickier and you're right. People will start building contrarian lineups, which could give us an advantage. Cause they're just thinking about, you know, getting the kicker like Evan McPherson in the postseason. We totally did that. Yeah. And yeah. Um, that getting them all the way there. Yeah. So yeah, Good that's the thought. That is a really good deep thought. So we should we should discuss that with everyone. This is the wide receiver episode. No. And I was wondering, do you have how do you like to draft wide receivers? And do you have any like mid to late round targets that you're kind of looking at this year? I was uh I was driving the Russell Gage train until they signed Julio. That was that was annoying, especially as a Titans fan. Because there's part of me that's just like, doesn't matter. He's done. Like, trust me, guys, he's done. But then I'm like, yeah, but watch Julio go play with Tom Brady in like yep. some sort of career renaissance, <laughs> like yep. the year the year after he busted for us and basically make Russell Gage irrelevant. So I think I have to I think I have to back off the Russell Gage hype a little bit. But I was I was definitely that was he was going to be my guy. I think I, t- I took him in the fishbowl, but because that was pre Julio. Um, I mean, if you want to go deeper sleepers, I think Josh Palmer is an interesting name because Justin Herbert's going to throw the ball a million times and Mike Williams gets hurt like clockwork every year. And then you've got a guy who you could plug in and who's like a legit wide receiver too. Um, So, you know, you're not really drafting him for week one, but you're drafting him knowing that at some point he's probably going to help your team. Um who else is sneaky out there? You know what? I'm on the like. I'll pose it to you two. Like, I don't know yeah. exactly what to make of Darnell Mooney this season, uh. because the reports are obviously that he's the best looking thing in camp. But to be the best looking thing in Bears camp, that's you know that's not the endorsement that you're really looking for um, in terms of being like a, a fantasy impact guy. So I don't know. I don't know what to do with him. It's such a great question. And he's come around a few times whenever like he, you know, I'm on a draft pick and he's there and I just, there's no reason why I should kind of avoid him because you're right. He had the biggest target share. Second most targets was Cole Komet, right? Cole Komet actually had a much better catch rate than Darnell Mooney, which is a little concerning, right? Okay. Um, and, and you look at the bears injury reports and like, nobody's, nobody's even there. I mean, there's nobody there, but Darnell Mooney, like uh, nobody's there. But for some reason, I still just feel a little gross about it. I, I, I don't have as much faith in Justin Fields as others. So yeah. Is he the wide receiver one? Yeah. But he's, you're right. I can't get excited about it. I think to feel good about, to feel good about it, you'd have to take him after he's going, I think to, if you want to get him, it's, you're basically saying he's my wide receiver too. And I don't think that he is that. So yeah. we have to pass on Darnell. We just, what do you think about George Pickens? Have you heard all this George Pickens talk? Cause yeah, a lot, of, a lot of good, I mean, I don't know what to do with the Steelers either. Cause we don't even yeah. know who's playing quarterback. I mean, it'll be Trubisky I'm sure initially, but we've seen how bad that guy can be. So I, I can't imagine that he'll have a long leash. And then we're going to ride with a, a rookie. I mean, I don't know. I so 
Let me ask you this, because I think this is really interesting. So Pickens has been going up the draft boards because everybody's been talking about Grady looks and that there's a potential that he could leapfrog Chase Claypool. Well, right now, Chase Claypool is going at pick 110 and George Pickens is going at pick 117, which means you cannot get both. Right. If you had to pick, who would you take the shot on? Claypool or Pickens? I'd take the shot on Pickens just because Claypool's also – I don't know. He's, he's kind of a knucklehead too. I feel like he, he gets in his own way. He does stupid stuff. Like I try to avoid guys like that just because I can't be having dudes, you know, get put in the doghouse for dumb reasons in the middle of my fantasy season. You know, it's not really about, it's not about don't them. Draft Antonio Brown. It's not about them or their growth as men. It's about my fantasy squad, right? It's about what I need from them. And I didn't, I didn't sign up so that, you know, so that, so that they could come of age, you know, that they can do that on their own time. So, uh, yeah, I haven't heard anything like that about Pickens. So I'd probably take the, the flyer on Pickens. Over <laughs> the the, shot on Pickens. Over I love it. Yeah. We appreciate you spending time with us today. I know you're probably very, very busy, but I want to encourage everybody to, of course, follow Rodeo on Twitter, but more importantly, to go over to NFFC, it's the, what is the actual address? PlayNFFC.com slash sack cancer. And the good news is you don't have to be, um, an, you know, an obnoxiously wealthy fantasy football guru to, to, to hit that link and just throw a little money at a great cause. There's, a, don- right. there's a donation button there. There's information about Connor's cure and the V foundation. If you're just looking for, a nice place to stash five or 10 bucks. Uh, you know, it's just a good cause all around and you don't have to know anything about football or, you know, uh, or what to make. I have a feeling it's all. good karma towards winning your league too. If you do it just five or 10 bucks, it's, Absolutely. it's putting a little bit in the karma jar. It all adds right? up and every penny goes to uh, pediatric cancer research. So. does So you guys join us at the NFFC. Thank you so much. And, um, I look forward to playing this out with you this year, and I hope we raise a ton of money. And I'm so sure too. Very excited to have you on board. Looking forward to watching you perform very well. I'm sure you'll do better than I do. And, uh, yeah, we'll keep it up. We'll keep track of uh, how we're doing all season long. Eddie, yeah, we'll- pleasure, man. Great meeting you too, James. Best luck to you guys. All right. Hang in. Thanks, Rene. Bye. Okay, everybody. We'll be right back after this quick break. He's the best. That was awesome. It was great stuff. I mean, he's got to be excited as a Titans fan. Like I said before, it's probably a two-horse race uh, in that division. And as long as, you know, the guys stay healthy, uh, that's a, a solid squad there. And then in terms of fantasy, I mean, he knows his, his stuff clearly. Deep round receiver talk. Uh, he's that's, that's a good guy to have in the league. I mean, here's the thing. Can we talk to Sal? Can we get um, Rode as our third host? I know, right? The three of us? Let's do it. Um, maybe we can get Miz in here too. Yeah. So I, I've never met the Miz, by the way, who I know is a friend of the of the network. So I, I'm really looking forward to trash talking him as well. Super excited. Um, we do have some questions coming in from listeners. So let's grab them right now uh, while we're at it before we jump into the wide receivers. Sure. Uh, we have uh, Jeff Bruce from YouTube. Thanks, Jeff, for listening and commenting. A reminder, everyone, Twitch. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, uh, you could all just follow extra points and then comment through there. We'll show them live. And then Twitter, we have a couple on Twitter as well. I'll read those right. to you. But Jeff's drafting in two hours, so he wants to know where the thoughts are on the rookies like Moore, Alave, and Dubes. 
Dubs. So Dubs is rocketing up the boards because he caught a touchdown in both preseason games. And Aaron Rodgers was recently saying that, recently said that there would be a different standard for him. And he's starting from a higher standard. That being said, I've seen Aaron Rodgers kind of like move his affections all around the field, just like he does with his girlfriends. Um, So, you know, it might be Alan Lazard. It might be uh, Sammy Watkins. It might be Randall Cobb. And so I I like them, but only if they're very late. They're starting to go a little high. Olave is probably my favorite of the three. Um, He's the one I would probably take first because he and Michael Thomas has already got a hamstring injury. He is in line to actually get work for you right away. Sky Moore, you know, also possible, but uh, same thing with with Patrick Mahomes, right? So many guys, MVS, Juju, Travis Kelsey, so many options. So my favorite is Olave as far as getting uh, production right away. All right. We have another question coming through on Twitter. Uh, Looks like it's from Das Lurie's asking you, uh, Eli Mitchell on the eighth or Javante Williams at the tail end of the third uh, in PPR? If you can get Javante Williams at the tail end of the third, that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, you have to pick. So this is a keeper question. I'm guessing. Uh, yes, it seems like his, his follow-up was, uh, Javante in the tail end of the third Mitchell in the eighth for carryover. So yeah, I'm guessing it is keeper. Um, I think I would go with Javante here. There's even more value with Eli Mitchell, but just because he's a little beat up right now and because it can go to more of a committee, I, I would go with Javante there. He's going in the second round for most people. And the uh, the last question wasn't really a question. It was just a comment uh, from my girlfriend, Jada, who says she's a huge fan of A, a Million Little Things, the show that James is in. I have seen quite a few episodes of those, so should have uh, brought that up to James before. But uh, too much fantasy, important football, fantasy football <laughs> talk. So um, Too much important fantasy football talk. That's right. Um, speaking of important fantasy football talk, let's get to it. Let's break let's down do these wide receivers. Like I said, this is my favorite part of the draft. The way that I like to build my draft is I like to start with the running backs when I can because I feel like there's so much value when we start coming around the third round uh, for wide receivers. Oh, apparently ESPN's reminding me to set a lineup or a draft. I, by the way, I'm in so many drafts and things right now. I'm I don't I can't. I even, I'm like afraid <laughs> to ask what the number is. I feel like the number is is, is absurd. It's too many. Yeah, That's I'm sure. The answer. I just finished one for CBS. Okay, so we've we we rounded out with Gabe Davis last week, and we're going to pick up uh, in round three. Um, with um or sorry in our third tier mm-hmm. which is, starts with jerry judy as if it's a wide receiver three right because that's mm-hmm. where they're going jerry judy's going off the board as uh 20 around 26th wide receiver uh what are your feelings and and by the way this is great this is right ahead of darnell mooney right which was what rode was just talking about of these two who would you rather take the shot on jerry judy darnell mooney I mean, for me, it's a no-brainer. It's it's Judy. You're you're combining a premier talent with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, a great deep ball thrower. Obviously, the the loss of uh, of Tim Patrick is a blow to the Broncos, but there's enough guys there to, to help pick up the slack. And obviously, Jerry Judy is a guy they want to be the premier you know uh, receiver in their offense. It's Mooney. I it's actually it's exactly what James said. It's like if he slides in a draft, take him. Do not go and reach for a guy like uh, Darnell Mooney. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all for Judy over Mooney. It's so hard because I get here and I'm going to, I'm going to have the debate. Do I want a floor or do I want a ceiling? Because I do think Darnell Mooney is going to get you a certain floor because he is going to be the clear number one. 
Jerry Judy could be massive. Um, and who knows, we could have a T Higgins, Jamar Chase situation where they're sure. both better. Um, but it's really tricky because sometimes what I like to do is in the beginning of my draft, just get that floor. So I know I have these minimum points no matter what, and maybe they're not that flashy, but I'm just trying to win each week, right? I don't want anyone that's going to zero out. And I don't think Darnell Mooney's ever going to zero out. I don't really think Jerry Judy will either, but it's a tricky, tricky call. They're going back to back. Um, both of them. So we've, we've talked about, you know, Darnell Mooney's the clear number one. So if you want a wide receiver one, he's, he's a la Brandon Cooks, if you will, right? Uh-huh. Maybe it's not an exciting situation, but they've got to go to him. Jerry Judy, incredible ceiling with, with Russell Wilson being there. So, you know, I think the value is fair for both. That's how you want to play. Uh, Chris Godwin has fallen behind these guys because we don't know when he's going to play. So this has to do with how many games he might play and, and if he gets off to a slow start. But I'm definitely taking him there. I would rather take him there than Juju Smith-Schuster, who's going right after him. What about you? Ooh, that that's a tough one. I think, yes, the, the length of the injury obviously is the, is the cause of concern. Uh, if we knew Godwin was going to be – we knew a date he was coming back. I think that would change a lot of people's drafts. Juju, I feel like somebody in Kansas City is going to have to get the targets, and I, I just feel like Juju may be that guy. But I, it's like, what, what would you rather have? Let's just say, you know, ten to twelve games of a healthy Chris Godwin, or do you want, you know, sixteen, seventeen games of of Juju, who hasn't really lit up the the world the last few seasons? And that's a tough one for me. Um, I mean, I, I'm not worried about him not not lighting up the world the last few seasons. I'm worried about two things. One, exactly what Rodé was talking about. If he's a head case, sure. Right? And two, from week to week. I mean, what if he, you, you know how this works. Mm-hmm. Sammy Watkins had big weeks. Mikko Hartman had big weeks. What if Juju's just another one of those guys? Well, I, th- I'm worried about. Juju's a different type. He's more of the possession receiver. Uh, he's not like the burn down the field speed kind of guy like Sammy Watkins or Mikko Hartman. They wanted Mikko Hartman to become like a Tyreek Hill 2.0. The one thing that kind of scares me with Chris Godwin is they did, Tampa did bring in a lot of receivers. I wonder if they think or they know how severe the injury is and maybe they're letting that on. So that's kind of been in the back of my head. So uh, if, if you buy into that, maybe Juju's the way to go. I think you're talking about ceiling versus floor when Godwin is back and, and, and he's fully healthy. I mean, his ceiling is going to be uh, immensely higher. Um, Rashad Bateman uh, is next up. Uh, that is, you know, I think he's essentially going to be really the wide receiver too, because Mark Andrews will be number one sure. in my opinion. But they have Lamar Jackson's passing yards prop set at 3,500.5. So let's think about that. He has never passed for more than 30, it's like 3,150 in 2019. And now they're setting it at 3,500 and a half. If it's true that he's really going to pass that much, Mark Andrews can't be much better than he was. Okay. We, you know, a thousand yards went out of town with Hollywood Brown. Maybe Rashad Bateman is a decent value here as the wide receiver 30 off the board. The other funny thing about Lamar Jackson's totals that his rush total is like over 900 yards uh, for the season. So they, they, I'm, I'm shocked that his passing yards are going up, but his rush uh, prop is, is very high. So I think they do expect a lot of rushing from him. Uh, Rashad Bateman, obviously coming out of college is a great talent and he just happens to be on a team that is just not friendly to wide receivers. So, um, 
you know, Lamar Jackson's in a contract year. He's betting on himself. He doesn't have an agent. There's no deal in place. Does that mean he's taking things a little bit sa- like the safer route? He's not running as much. He's trying to find his receivers. And like you said, if he is trying to find his receivers, uh, Babe would be the number two option behind Mark Andrews. Part of me thinks that maybe that's the case. Maybe Lamar does not want to run as much, take as many hits. So I, I do think that he may have a more prolific passing season this year than ever because of the contract situation. But I, I don't think I'm going to run into drafts being like, I have to target Rashad Bateman because there's a really good chance you're going to have a lot of weeks, like lower single digit points of him. Amari Cooper. Um, Amari Cooper is somebody that we have seen be very, very hot before, but he could end up being very, very mild. What is a mild Buffalo Wild Wings sauce. I mean, there might uh, just be mild. It might just be mild. I mean, he <laughs> might just be mild. It's tricky because he's the number one guy. Sure. But again, who is he playing with? And he has had that fasciitis thing. The most important thing is, though, when I think back to when they traded him and how he looked like he was stuck in purgatory, mm-hmm. it was like a mugshot. You know, he looks miserable. So even though he is the wide receiver one there, I would rather have even Darnell Mooney than Amari Cooper, even though Amari Cooper is the more talented receiver. It makes me very nervous. Well, let me ask you this then. So there's still a few weeks left before the season starts. There is a very popular quarterback who may get cut if he's not traded. What happens if Jimmy G somehow ends up in Cleveland? Does that change anything at all for Amari Cooper for you? Yeah, it does. I would would take Amari Cooper where he's going at that point. I would not jump his ADP in any way. Um, but yeah, I would feel more confident after him, Elijah Moore, who I believe we talked about last week, really one of the most talented receivers out there as far as pure raw talent. It's just a matter of putting it together. Who's going to be his quarterback. What's up with Zach Wilson. And then we're coming to Michael Thomas. Okay. Michael Thomas. Okay. Here we go. Here. I'm going to give you guys my, my comparison now. Michael Thomas is somebody that was Carolina Reaper. He was. 2019, nobody could beat this guy. And his ADP has fallen to where maybe he's a value. But here's the thing. Even after they announced he had a hamstring injury this week, his ADP still isn't changing. I think people are holding on so much to the ghost of Michael Thomas. I know he's having a great camp. I do not trust him. This guy is going to end up lemon pepper. I'm telling you, he's going to end up lemon pepper. He's not right in the head. I don't care how talented he is. There is a no way, no how I am putting Michael Thomas on any single one of my fantasy football teams. And you can say, oh, how much value? There are people that were drafting him in the 15th, 16th rounds being like, what? Nothing to lose. That's true. You didn't have anything to lose, but did he pay off for you the last few years? No, he's not right. Um, I just can't do it. Uh, I'm with you. I think it's uh, it's everything you said I agree with. He, there's too many guys I like going around uh, where he's being drafted. Uh, I think he's getting picked off of name value. There's too many question marks. I know we kind of talked about this last week with, you know, the cha- the coaching change from Sean Payton uh, to Dennis Allen, and obviously the, the, the move from Breeze to now Jameis Winston and how much he trusts that. I Michael Thomas, to me, now you said the hamstring. Now there's like a wrist injury there as well. He's not going to play a full season. Like, I just don't see him playing a full season at all. 
all. And if he does play, he's not going to be effective as he was with Drew Brees there. Um, I I just I'm not going to say he's a total pass because if he does fall dramatically, of course you want to take him because he would be the number one, the clear number one. But where where he's going, I, I would not feel confident or comfortable taking Michael Thomas there. Next guy up after him is Hunter Renfro, who I really like, but I'm sort of avoiding right now because it's a little high for me, but Devontae Adams there and Darren Waller um, coming back, but certainly not a bad pick. But the next guy, the next guy is the real reason why I would never drop Michael Thomas because the next guy, everybody thinks about him like he's just kind of medium, but in reality, he's probably going to end up for you Nashville hot, especially if you play in a standard league. And that guy is Adam Thielen. Now, don't come to me with this, like, regression has to happen with touchdowns. Because we said that last year. Guess what? It didn't happen. Adam Thielen is Kirk Cousins' favorite red zone target. He had 10 touchdowns last year in only 13 games played. And then you're going to say to me, oh, but what about Justin Jefferson? Yeah, what about him? There's no competition. Justin Jefferson also had 10 touchdowns last year, but in 17 games. So now you've got, uh, you know, Kevin O'Connell in town, you got Wes Phillips, you got all of this. There's going to be more air yards. They're going to be throwing more on early downs, but who's going to be taking the attention? Justin Jefferson. So who's going to end up with all those touchdowns? Once again, an incredible contested catch rate, a great wingspan. It's Adam Thielen. And if you get 10 touchdowns and even just 700 yards for him, him, yeah, even a PPR league, this is an incredible value where he's going. So I think it could be even better to be honest to you. So I am not afraid that he gave you 700 yards and 10 touchdowns um, with only 13 games play. Now, of course we're, we're betting on health, but you know what? We're betting on health for all of these guys. Oh yeah, sure. Do you think Jen, this is purely a value based uh, move or do you think there's a real shot that Minnesota could have the most prolific, you know, tandem uh, wide receiver tandem like in this upcoming season? I think, well, I don't think that they could actually beat out a Higgins chase combo Mm -hmm. um, and probably not a Judy Sutton combo. However, it's possible. I know Adam Thielen's getting older. Okay. Like I'm realistic about it, but there's not a tight end stealing stuff from them. I mean, Irv could be good, but you know, I just, we saw Cooper cups breakout season and that's probably going to be Justin Jefferson, but that just opens up so many opportunities for Thielen. Who's kind of like the forgotten man there. And, and let's not forget before the last couple of seasons, he was really, really healthy. So just a couple of freak injuries, I think. Um, so yeah, I, I think that is a very, you know, medium pick that's going to end up being a lot spicier. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. DeAndre Hopkins, we know he's going to miss games. So that's just all about how much you think he can give you on a per game basis. I'm not that high. He actually didn't look that good last year. So I'm out even at that price. Devonta Smith, I rather like because everybody's so high on AJ Brown that now Devonta Smith seems like a good value to me. Drake London, the clear number one rookie uh, in Atlanta. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, we talked about last week. As someone we like as a later target. Christian Kirk, probably the number one in Jacksonville. If you believe in Trevor Lawrence, that's your spot. Tyler Lockett. I don't know, guys. I just can't do it. I want to. I just can't. 
the Seattle's court, the quarterback mess, like you know, we were talking about. It just it does not bode well. They need to figure out something there. They're 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 there to tank. They're there to tank. Uh, they're in the running to be the worst team in the NFL. I think um, maybe the Bears, if not the the Seahawks. But it's just their best case scenario is to unfortunately trade away. DK Metcalf for some picks, let Lockett finish his time there in Seattle, draft a new guy, and start the regime all over again because it's it's as brutal as it can be. It's a sorry ending to a great career for Tyler Lockett. It is. Um, Kadarius Tony, oh. what do you think? Because Dable's out here saying everybody's got to earn their spot on the roster. Maybe it's not Kenny Galladay he's talking about. And you want to talk about head cases. Well, so much talent. But. Tony, yeah, Tony was the other guy I was thinking with. And this is more of like um, – there's a few factors with this this guy, and it's because of you know the the depth. First of all, you have you draft a guy in the second round, Wondell Robinson. You're going to use him. Sterling Shepard just came back a few days ago, completely healthy. Like I said, we have Galladay signed to a massive contract. You had Tony, and then you have Darius Slayton. So you have a bunch of guys there. Uh, I I do think the Giants are going to pass the ball a lot more than they have. Uh, if you have a, a Brian Dable, Mike Kafka offense, that's just what they do. They just throw the ball a ton. I think the the Giants are prorated to like the sixth most passing attempts. So that's good. If you like good Aries Tony. Now, obviously, there comes in the other parts of him sometimes being a knucklehead. How much is that on the last regime? Maybe he just didn't really mesh well with 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 Joe Judge. Uh, I know he was a David Gettleman draft pick. This is now Joe Shane's team. So that could be a thing where they're like, yeah, we don't really need this guy anymore. But there's a flip side where he showed you last year that how he was how great he was in like the 10-11 catch game. He had he's explosive. He could be the Giants version of a Debo Samuel. So I I think He's a guy that I, this is like, I wouldn't draft him. I wouldn't reach for him. Definitely not. Where he's going, I'm not sure if I would feel comfortable taking him there. You can't draft him and start him and be like, I I have full faith in him. Now, six games in, I may look like a total idiot, but I just don't see Tony being the number one focal point of the the passing offense. I I actually think that Wondell Robinson is going to be great, and I think Sterling Shepard, who's their best route runner, if he's healthy, he's going to be Daniel Jones' guy. And Daniel Jones also loves – a couple years back, Darius Slayton was his deep threat. So those are the guys he kind of has like a rapport with, and they drafted Wondell for a reason. And um, I I just – I need Tony to have an impact before he could really believe in this. I think, if anything, next year will be the year where we could kind of trust Tony as a a legitimate receiver. But right now, from everything I've read and watched and listened to with the Giants, like there's no reason to – he's just part of a – a group of guys they have on offense. Um, going after Tony is Alan Lazard, who is probably the number one guy in Green Bay. So, like comparatively, would you rather have Lazard or Tony there? Not even close for me. It's Lazard. He's the number right. one. He's it's he's playing with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers' entire crew built receivers that nobody knew about. That's just an easy pick. And then next up is Russell Gage. And Rodé was talking about Gage. Um, he has moved so much. Like he was an early sleeper pick for people. Then he went down with Julio Jones, then back up because, uh, you know, Mike Evans hamstring him. Then Tom Brady was in camp. Now he's fallen back down a little bit again because of this undisclosed leg injury. So he's going as late as, you know, pick 100, pick 110. I'm kind of in there. I mean, I feel like, you know, this is the offense that threw for the most yards in the league last year, 5,229 yards. Um, any piece of that, you know, Gronk is gone and we got an injured Godwin. Julio Jones is kind of old. Mike Evans might have a hammy thing here and there. I feel like, you know, it's it's worth a shot there. It's late enough. Um, Robert Woods next up, obviously we talked about him as well. Mm-hmm. Traylon Burks, we talked about him as well. <laughs> They're going at the same spot. I would rather have Robert Woods. I'm, I'm with you on that. 
Rookie Chris Olave, we mentioned, very talented, worth taking a shot on. And here we got Chase Claypool, which we discussed. We discussed George Pickens versus Chase Claypool. Um, They're basically going now within the same round in most leagues because Pickens has rocketed so far up the draft board. So it's either way too high on Pickens or too low on Claypool, or maybe not. Maybe there's enough to go around, but we don't know who the quarterback is. So pick your poison. Uh, Rodé gave the reasons for Pickens, which I really like. I also really like Chase Claypool because I think they can get creative with him and use him in a rushing way too. Um, Some interesting packages should they so choose. So that's an interesting one. I I do like Chase Claypool, and this is not my Notre Dame bias speaking, but just the, he's you know obviously Pickens a rookie did deal with a lot of injuries um, at Georgia. All, he's also a big body, so they're both bigger receivers that can you know get those jump balls. I think that's kind of what made Claypool shine a few years back yeah. when you had big Sometimes men who were just he like I'm jumps just when toss. he doesn't need to. Have you yeah. noticed this? He yeah. jumps just because he wants to jump, and it's a little bit weird. And I can see why Ooh. that would be concerning for people. Sorry. Um, but I, I could also see uh, Claypool being this kind of safety blanket of sorts for whoever the quarterback is. That's Trubisky, who doesn't have a full grasp of the offense. If that's Kenny Pickett, who's obviously a rookie and just learning the game. So I, I do like Claypool. I also, you know, we, we're kind of hypocrites, not, not me and you, but just in general of people who watch preseason football and you, you see some big performances, you buy in way too much, and then you see some bad performances, and you're like, oh, I'm out and out on that guy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if George Pickens doesn't, you know, have a couple nice games, then this is not even a conversation. So um, I think preseason, obviously, you want to see the players you draft perform well, but I don't think it it, it means you have to give up on other guys like Claypool. So I, I still would feel more comfortable with Claypool, but I think Pickens is going to have a, a fine career. So um, in, in Dynasty Leagues, he's my favorite Dynasty pick right now. Um, Olave is also up there, mm-hmm. but I really like Pickens in Dynasty because I think he has the opportunity to grow with his quarterback. Sure. Whereas I think Olave, Dubs, Watson, all of those could see quarterback changes even in the near future. Um, so I kind of like that it could be Pickett and Pickens, and they seem to have chemistry already. So that's just kind of my thought on that. Um, we have got only a few minutes left. So what I want to do is, first of all, if you're watching this right now, there's time. Hit us with questions. That's what we're here for. Get your questions in. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about some of our late round targets because that's a lot of times where a draft is made. And that's mm-hmm. my favorite part is like, so how I like to build is to get a pretty sometimes boring team up front, right? Kind of boring, kind of salad, and then take those shots later on these high upside people. And that's what a lot of these people are going to be. Um, one of my favorite late round ride receivers, Rondell Moore. Uh, we know DeAndre Hopkins is out for a while. Uh, we saw Kyler Murray put on the headset and call offensive plays for two touchdowns, and Cliff Kingsbury didn't have that luck. So, hey, maybe it's working. Um, I would love to see Rondell Moore being used creatively. He's a fun one. Isaiah McKenzie looks like he might actually be getting that slot receiver job in Buffalo. We all thought it might be Jamison Crowder, but McKenzie's looked great. And who doesn't want a piece of that Buffalo offense? He's going as late as pick 154, so you're getting him 12th, 13th round. And then finally – Alec Pierce, who's also looked really good in preseason, and I think he could be that big-bodied receiver across from Michael Pittman. The longer that the Colts go without signing a veteran, the more confident I feel that Alec Pierce might emerge somewhere in this season as a pretty good threat. And I am expecting good numbers from Matt Ryan, as we've talked about. So uh, give me a couple of your guys. 
I'll, I'll, I know we're short on time, so I'll throw one that I really absolutely I'm in love with. And I, you know, my Twitter feed, I have a lot of Boston related stuff just from my time in school there and interning there. So I see a lot of Patriots stuff in practice. And I kind of sift through it. I'm like, OK, whatever. I don't really buy into Belichick. Who knows what the season's going to be? The one guy that I see a lot of comments about is Jacoby Myers. And I mm-hmm. was reading stuff like. Mac Jones just came out and said, like, he's one of my best friends in the team. I wanted to be a Patriot with me forever. Like, that right of there is, is huge. Secondly, you know, 126 targets last year. I think they had, like, 83 catches. By far the most in the team. The next close person was, I mean, it was far away. Not, I know they added some guys in offense. But there's something about uh, a young quarterback who gets comfortable with the receiver, kind of like you're saying with, you know, Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. Mac Jones seemed to find his guy in Jacoby Myers. And I, I know that he doesn't score a ton of touchdowns. I think he only had two last year. But the name of the game is targets and value. And where he's going, he's like, I mean, he's probably he's listed or at least in Mac Jones's brain he is their number one receiver where he's going you're being drafting other guys who may be the wide receiver two or even three and other other teams so getting Jacoby Myers there I think is is huge especially in PPR formats if he's going to go north of uh, 80 catches again so I, I really do love Jacoby Myers even though the Patriots are very very tough to figure out with what Belichick does I absolutely agree. I think Jacoby Myers is a great value right now, and he's got to have positive touchdown regression. I mean, that was just weird. Now that he's done it, he's got the nerves out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Other guys going late. Um, it's interesting to me, Tim Patrick is still kind of going ahead of like Wandale Robinson and Paris Campbell and Curtis Samuel and Isaiah McKenzie. It's, it's very interesting. So you guys, you pay attention, you know, look at these guys and look at recently where they've gone. Let me see. There's been some risers and fallers. A lot of the rookies are rising. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And a lot of that you don't want to fall for. Because, yeah, Romeo Dubs had those two touchdowns, et cetera. Maybe he's going to get chances before Christian Watson, but there's still three other guys ahead of him. So you don't want to jump too much the ADP, and it's really easy to get tempted to do that. Yeah, and another thing that I'll add is like, look at just coaching styles and offensive styles, and I'll, I'll you know, uh, I'll use my Giants again as an example. Uh, but like, look at the Buffalo Bills teams with Brian Dable. Uh, they, you know, they had Stephon Diggs for sure, but Cole Beasley in the slot was a big part of their offense. Everyone's like, why did the Giants draft uh, a guy like Wandale Robinson in the second round? It's like, well, because he's going to fill that role. So like, that's why I'm saying like, there's certain teams kind of give away what their their game plan is and what they want to do. So if you could like watch your team, find out stuff like that, that will definitely help you uh, in your uh, in your drafts. We yeah, and that's why you'll hear us now. talk about things like, oh, the offensive coordinator for the Rams is now in Minnesota. Oh, let's think about, oh, they do yeah. lots of three wide sets. Okay, maybe KJ Osborne's a thing. I don't actually really think KJ Osborne is a thing, but you know, that's the kind of thought you could have. Um, Join Lace, you may have mentioned him, but thoughts on wide receiver on the Packers, specifically taking a flyer on Romeo Dubs. So we did talk about Romeo Dubs. Uh, he is at this point gone a little too high up in ADP for my liking. Um, let me look at my latest notes for where he is. He is at uh, pick 143. I mean, it's not terrible, um, but that is up from 278. I do think he is ahead of Christian Watson right now, but as I was mentioning, I don't think we should expect anything right away. And he's probably someone you can get on the waiver wire, mostly because there are Watkins, Cobb, and Lazard in front of him. And also what people I think are really discounting is how many passes Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are going to be involved with. I think they're going to be really involved in the receiving game. So yes, uh, Aaron Rodgers did say that he had a different standard, meaning four dubs, meaning that he was starting from a higher 
place. Um, but that being said, Aaron Rodgers is going to spread the ball around. He likes who he likes. He was mad at his rookie catchers a few weeks ago. So um, I like dubs, but I think maybe j- just don't jump the spot. Certainly don't take him before 143. I think you can probably get him on the waiver wire um, because he, you know, people, somebody probably will take him and then he won't do enough for them the first couple weeks and they'll drop him. It's the name of our show. Waiver wired. Waiver wired. Gotta be good on it. Yep. That's what we're going to be here for. Uh, guys, during the regular season, we will be here on Thursdays at 4. Next week, we're, we're going to record at a different time, um, but we will be here during the regular season. Thank you so much for listening. We'll hit some tight ends before the season starts, and then we're off to the races. We're going to help you uh, set your lineups and answer questions and hopefully have more fun guests along the way as well. Eddie, any closing thoughts on wide receivers? There's so many of them. I could literally do like a month of podcasts just on receivers. What I'll say is, you know, a lot of quarterbacks wait on quarterbacks. Running backs are very scarce, especially the ones who are the bell cows, if there's even any of those. So pick those up. Receivers, to me, is really how you win this draft because not only are you going to have good depth, but there's so many guys. And like we did this, we had to have a second episode on water seers because there's so many good ones in the mid to late rounds. Um, even guys you could pick up off the, the waiver wire. So having good water receiver depth, hitting the guys that just make the most sense on uh, NFL teams' rosters to be on your fantasy team, like that's, that's what you. You need to win your league because look everyone's going to struggle at running back and everyone's going to have a good quarterback but you have to win the league with the wide receivers so hopefully this week's and last week's episodes help everyone to draft the uh, the perfect wide receiver team especially in ppr lakes yes um so pay a lot of attention in the meantime you guys have an awesome weekend we're around you have questions remember we're here to answer them at extra points at jen piacenti at edward l murphy and uh, don't forget to head over to the nffc make a donation to the v foundation yes. or even better Sign up and play with play, me and yeah. Rodé and Miz and Kofi Coleman and Liz Loza and Michael Fabiano and help us sack cancer. Don't forget to book your Buffalo Wild Wings draft parties. You get half off all your appetizers and uh, you got to use all our spicy takes. Um, you can put them all together there. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. 